0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's make a joyful noise to the Lord this morning. How many know He's worthy of the praise and the glory and the honor. My, there's excitement here. There's a touch of God that is here. Amen, six weeks of fasting and here we are. God has received our offering. He's heard our prayer. He's gonna change somebody's life. Aren't you thankful for what we feel in this building? Amen, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We are so glad to have you on this Sunday morning. If you would grab your Bibles today, Turn to the word of the Lord with me to the book of Daniel chapter 9. I um, taught from this just a few weeks ago. And I, I know after that I was in Guatemala. And then, then following last week I was sick. As many as you have been sick. And uh, it can happen to any of us. I may know that. It's not due to my, me traveling as we've heard said. I'm not out of balance. I've probably never been more balanced than I am right now. So let me clear that up. But I, I want to say, and, uh, uh, and that was said publicly, and I just want to address that, that I'm sick because I'm just sick, okay? And uh, I have recovered, and I'm better, and I'm thankful. But I do feel like, let me tell you, there is something happening around the world that is very, very, very powerful. It really is. I'm glad to tell you that when I was in Guatemala, We were able to hand the work over. I'm going to be talking about this more. Many of you know that Brother Noe and Sister Dawn are no longer there. They have transitioned into uh, Florida. And uh, in 15 years, we have 15 established churches in in the jungle of Guatemala where they were never able to get any established works. It's so powerful. Amen. We were able in 15 years to establish these works with buildings and properties and pastors that were drug cartel that are now preaching the gospel. People that were involved in witchcraft that are now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very powerful what God has done. Send somebody say amen. And I do want to say that, thank God, that our main church that we have in Siashe Pateon it, is a, it, it appraised when we handed it to the UPC of Guatemala that it appraised for seven million case dollars. Seven million case dollars. That's worth about a million dollars. We were able to hand that to the United Pentecostal Church of Guatemala with a pastor and a powerful congregation and preachers all over. That's what this is about, we're thankful. Can you, can you clap your hands and rejoice, we're glad. You know what I say, let's do it again. Let's go somewhere else and establish some churches. Amen, amen. The book of of Daniel chapter 9, I, I will do like a lot of preachers. I will probably preach from this verse, which means I'll read it and not go back to it. And I want to say we're so glad to have our evangelist, Brother Nick Mahaney, such a man of God. We are so thankful that you are here. And he's going to be preaching for us in the 11. I'm telling you, our lives are going to be changed today through his ministry. And it's good to see Brother and Sister Reinhardt here today. Amen. Longtime friends. We're so glad you're here. And um, Brother Lawson, Brother Lawson's going to be baptized in Jesus' name at the end of the service. And so I, I want to say I'm thankful for that. Daniel chapter 9, in the first year, verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. The realm of the Chaldeans. Everybody say Chaldean. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. He said, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Just a few Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, as a matter of fact, I told you that when I read this, I was shaken. I absolutely believe that when he read this, he understood 70 years of captivity is almost over. There's about to be a mass exodus from Babylon to return back to Jerusalem. He started praying for a mass exodus from, the, from, from Babylonian captivity to go back home to the church, Zion, Jerusalem, where the children of Israel belong. You hear me today. I believe in this end time. There's a North American revival. There's going to be a mass exodus that's going to leave north, south, east, and west from sin, and they're coming back to the house of God. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's rejoice for what he's doing and what he is about to do. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. I feel, I feel a, an urgency in my spirit, but I feel a war inside of me. I do, I believe we're gonna fight for this revival and we're gonna win. Can you say amen? amen. And so when you begin to look in the word of the Lord, you're going to find that there was a group of people known as the Chaldean people. Chaldean people. The, uh, uh, they, they, they show up through Scripture. And I want to parallel a little bit about the Chaldeans. When you look at Genesis chapter 11, you will find in the word of the Lord that God called Abraham out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees. So when you begin to study Chaldean people, there are people that are from the land of Chaldee, and um, they precede Abraham. As a matter of fact, the oldest book of the Bible is the book of Job. I think I heard you say there's some men won't, won't read that book because they thought it was Job. thinking of that this morning. But in the book of Job, you'll find that when Job was attacked, the people that destroyed his servants and killed his camels were Chaldean people. So all the way back to the oldest book of the Bible, that goes all the way back to the days of Job, Chaldeans were violent people. They were a violent people. And you'll find that when God called Abraham, whose And Abram, whose father was Terah, was a man of idolatry and heathenism. That Abraham himself was a Chaldean. He was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan and to separate himself from those people, to separate himself from that land and to start what we would know as the Hebrew people, which is today the Jewish people. And when you begin to read and understand that through scripture, Chaldeans were violent. Second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 37, it says that when the Babylonian captivity came in, I mean, remember me teaching about Solomon brought all the the, the temples of idols and and because of idolatry, Jeremiah prophesied Nebuchadnezzar's coming in from Babylon. He's going to take the children of Israel out of Jerusalem into in the Babylonian captivity. When he did, guess who showed up? The army of the Chaldean people. When they come, they are ruthless. Scripture says that when they showed up, if they can put that, 2 Chronicles 36 and 17, it says, therefore, he brought upon them the king of the Chaldeans who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary. Had no compassion upon young man or maiden. Look at the next. Old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all. When the king of the Chaldeans came in, the Chaldean army, the Bible says who is a has a violent sword in his hand and swift chariots, this army of the Chaldeans When they came in, they had no regard for age. Didn't matter if you was an old man on a cane, they would kill you. They would capture you. They had no regard of young ladies or young children. We have seen that same type of spirit that on October the 6th, the attack that came on the Jews, you saw that. There was no regard of age, no regard of young men or women. They killed kids in front of parents and they killed parents in front of children. And that old spirit that goes all the way back to Abraham's time, goes all the way back to that violence in Job's time is prevalent even today. And I'm gonna tell you what's wrong is it has surfaced in the United States of America, this anti-Semitic view justifying the Palestinian action on October the 6th to come in and violate, to mutilate, to do what they did. And it's as if in America that it's accepted that it's okay because it was against Jewish people. It just reveals the hour that the Antichrist spirit is up on this earth. (laughs) This woke movement, this ungodly, immoral against the things of God this, this, this mystery of iniquity, the son of perdition, the wicked one is up on the earth. And I'm gonna tell you, we better stand for Israel because God has a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We better stand for Israel. Don't you get involved with this Hollywood political agenda against the Jews. Jews can't hardly go in the streets. Jews can't even hardly go to the colleges. There is a movement against it. It is an antichrist movement. Could I say to you, at the same time, you better not fall in love with unrighteousness. You better not fall in love with the spirit of the age. You better be careful what you let pump into your house because it'll change your heart from righteousness to unrighteousness, from godly to ungodly. Come on, I'll stand with Israel today. That old violent spirit mutilated those women, took old men, took old women into captivity as if no value, no compassion. That spirit is prevalent today. And I will come to preach to you is the Chaldean spirit. That Chaldean spirit represents the nature of what sin will do to you. What sin will do to me? You look when they went into Babylonian captivity. You'll find that, that during this time, that when they were taken from Israel by the violence of the Chaldean people, they were removed. They come and bombarded in their houses. I'm telling you, we saw a real live day of that. We watched that unfold through modern technology and news, October the 6th come into Israel and take these people captive into another land, some which are still captive. Americans that were even taken captive that were there. You watch sort of what happened in, in Babylonian captivity in 590 BC, you watch this, what happened back then, you watch it unfold in a small segment on October the 6th, 2023. What happened in Jerusalem and went into Babylon is what we saw, the type of violence, what went on with abuse, oh, it moves me. It moves me. But there's a parallel of this because when you let idolatry in your house, when you let ungodliness in your house, there's a moment that sin walks right into your family It starts taking things that should belong to God and starts ripping you out and taking you to a place of sin and bondage. And I come to tell you, we don't need to make any room for the enemy to come into our families, into our minds, into our heart, into our spirit. Come on. Sin is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how little they are. Sin, when it comes in, the nature of sin, the product of sin, sin is ruthless. It's like a cancer. Cancer does not care the age. Doesn't matter if it's a baby, it doesn't matter if somebody's in their elderly years. Sin is like the cancer, it'll just destroy and come in. And I come to tell you, you better not play with sin. You better not play with the Chaldean people. They don't have any compassion. I'm not talking about Palestine right now. I'm talking about the nature of the Chaldeans, the nature of sin. It'll destroy you. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church or how little you've been in church. It doesn't matter how how old or how young. It'll mess up your life. It'll mess up your life. But I've got good news on this Sunday morning. We have a savior whose name is Jesus that can come to save you from your sin. He can change it. He can deliver you from it. I hear the old song that says, Satan had me down, but Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. You better not entertain sin. It's a destroyer. It's violent. It's violent. It's compassionless. No age barrier. And all of a sudden you're looking. People are ripped from their homes. They're now scattered around Persia. But Babylon specific. King Nebuchadnezzar is there. And this sin that has... Move the children of Israel out, and here they are in a land they should never have been in, in a strange land. And watch how sin works. Are you ready? They're here, they're idolaters, and this is what they say Take of the king's meat served to idols, just eat the meat served to idols. Three children and Daniel said, We're not going to eat the king's meat served to idols. We're going to eat, we're going to eat greens. They refused to consume themselves in Babylon with what was being served to idols. I'm going to tell you why. You hear the trick of the enemy. Because if you will eat meat served to idols, two chapters later, you're going to be told to bend your knee to idols. It never stops with consuming yourself, with entertaining yourself with what goes to idols. Because if you will entertain yourself with what is worshiping idols, you're gonna be serving idols. If they'd ate the king's meat, this is what they'd have said. If they'd eat idols, meat served to idols, when it came time and the music starts playing, you better be careful what music you listen to. Come on, if it's singing about cheating and lying and anti-God, you don't need to listen to it. I don't care who sings it and how good it is. That's, that's stuff served to idols. I come with fair warning in this end time revival. We don't have time to consume our minds, our heart, and our spirit with what is going to an antichrist movement. Are y'all with me right now? And hear, hear me today as I, I tell you, if, if they, they, they were told there was a 90-foot idol to, to Nebuchadnezzar and 90 foot tall, 30 foot at the base. This idol that everybody in the land is told to worship. Told to worship. You know what I feel right now? Nobody in this building wants to go that direction. Boy, I've never felt this church more charged than what you are right now. God has given you great repentance. I feel the heart of this entire room pointed to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if your heart is pointed to the Lord, you don't have to worry about the Chaldeans. You don't have to worry about the sin. You don't have to worry about the mess. That's what I feel in this room. God has brought you out so he can take you in. How many feel that right now. I feel such a love of God in this room. God has great things in store (coughs) for you. Tell your neighbor, God's about to bless us. Oh yeah, just hear it so I'll move on. This might not even pertain to you, but I'm gonna tell it and move forward. And um, what you'll find is you'll be seated. They, they, they built this idol and they said when the music starts playing, it, it, the music motivates you to do things you normally wouldn't do. And the music of the world, it, it's the it's same way in the church. Music is played, praise and worship precedes preaching. And the reason is because music will point you in a direction. Music will set a tone. How many of you turn on music in your devotion to Bible reading? Oh, yeah. You know why? Because the right man. Turn the wrong music on. You won't want anything to do with the word. Your heart will go a different direction. Music will point you in a direction. Music matters. Lucifer, that, that, that son of the morning, he, he was very gifted in music. Very gifted in music. Very gifted in beautiful pipes and singing. He was one of the archangels, some believe that he was the head of the archangels, but he was cast out of heaven because he lifted himself with pride to be equal with God. And uh, music matters. Everybody say, music matters. And when the music started playing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not going to bow. When they did it, the Bible says in the book of Daniel, wow, watch what, watch what this says. In the book of Daniel, Chapter three, very powerful portion of scripture. It says in verse eight, wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. The Chaldean spirit is an accusatory spirit. You are never more like the devil than when you are bringing accusations about somebody. And you are never more like Christ than when you are loving and forgiving somebody. Let that sink in for a moment. And that accusatory spirit that Satan, the devil, you know what that means? Accuser of the brethren. That's why some of you struggle, not because you're accusing others, but you can't stop accusing you. Every time you wanna move forward, your old condemning flesh pulls up something from 20 years ago. Six years ago, if I'd have never backslid, would have never walked away from the church, if I, and and we we linger as if we suffer because of something from yesteryear. And I'm gonna tell you right now, you need to kill that thing in your life. And say, I've been covered in the blood, I gave my heart back to the Lord, and the Lord's gonna make a way for me and my family. Come on, I feel something happening right now. I'm not living in my past. God brought me out of the mess I got myself into. Come on, he didn't just save me from sins of others, he saved me from my own sin. And because he brought me out, I'm moving on to what God has for me. He's gonna bless me. He's gonna bless those that bless me. Somebody shout amen. Watch this, and the Chaldean Chaldean accuses and brings brings accusation to Nebuchadnezzar to do what? So they will be thrown into a fiery furnace. You're talking about violent. The nature of violence is they want them to burn in a fiery furnace. The nature of violence, the nature of wanting them to be destroyed. And so they bring accusation. And Nebuchadnezzar, you know the story, most of you know the story, but he brings them in and says, Look, I like you guys. I'm gonna gonna let the music play again if you'll bow. You don't have to worry about burning. They said, oh king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. We've already got our mind made up. We're not gonna worship this golden image which you've set up. Oh yeah, they said, They said, our God's able to deliver us out of your hands. Our God's able. Our God's able. Come on, I know some of you've got some attacks coming against your family, but God's greater than anything coming against your family. God's greater than anything trying to pull you down. I feel something in this spirit, in this room right now. God's going to bring you out. Somebody shout, God's going to bring you out. And you'll find they went, were cast into the fiery furnace. They were. And guess what? Nothing happened to them. Nebuchadnezzar looks down that fiery furnace, the three were children. He said, how many did I throw in there? How many did I throw in there? Three? He said, "Lo, I see four. And the fourth man looks like the son of God. Because Chaldeans can never, never, when you are pointed in the right direction, take you back to a place that predates Abraham, which is a place of sin and destruction and idolatry and heathenism. The goal is not just to take you out of the church. The goal is to take you away from God and to destroy your life. Daniel is now in the land of the Chaldeans. And while he is there in the first year of Darius, guess what? God elevates him in a strange land. And what happens to him? The Chaldeans show up and accuse him of what? They said, we've got to seek occasion against him. Daniel 6, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to let you know it's in there. They just couldn't find any fault in him. You know what they were doing? Trying to find fault. That accusatory spirit in the Chaldean people, trying to find fault. They couldn't find any. They said we have to seek occasion against him and the, everybody said the law of his God. You know what the law of his God was? To pray. So they made a 30 day law that said nobody's allowed to pray or seek counsel from any God, any other God, or any king but King Darius. And then they went and looked. Trying to find fault in him. I don't want to be a fault finder. I want to be a believer in people. I want to be a believer in the preacher. Come on, I want to be a believer in the prophet. Amen, I'd rather be gullible than skeptical. Amen, when I hear of the great report of God, I don't want to be one of those, well, are you sure that really happened? Did that many people get the Holy Ghost? Oh, no, 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 no. I want to believe God can do anything. Amen, God can do anything. I don't want to find fault in everything. they looked and guess what? The law was written. Brother Johnny Crabb, the law was written. Can't pray. They go there and they know what time he prays. He's like clockwork. It's just like Jesus. You know, Judas knew exactly where Jesus was going to be when he was going to betray him. You know where he was? He's going to be across the book, Kidron. He was going to be down there in the garden of Gethsemane because he was there so often. Judas said, I know where the Lord is. He's got a... He's got a a place that he prays and a time that he prays. It's good to have a place where you pray and a time that you pray. Amen? Everybody say a place and a time. It might be a chair in your house, specific time in your house, and you got your Bible and a cup of coffee. Amen. That's a good time with Jesus. Any coffee drinkers in the building? <laughs> Amen. The rest of you need saved. Praise God. Amen. Oh, Pastor, I drink tea. He'll let you in. He's going to let you in. Amen. But time and a place, and they knew. I know where he is. Judas knew where Jesus would be because he would visit there often. Let that be said of us. Chaldeans weren't worried about Daniel prophesying. They were worried about Daniel praying. Chaldeans would do everything they can to stop you from your prayer time. It's not about preaching, it's not about prophesying, it's not even about music. It's not about ministry, it's about prayer. Because the thing that makes us powerful is our time alone with God in prayer. Somebody say amen. Amen. And we are a praying people. The church needs to be built on prayer and his word. And what you'll find is the Chaldeans came in and wanted to stop him from praying. Most things that come against you will try to stop you from prayer, hinder you from prayer. And when they came in the morning, he's lifting, looking through the window. I personally believe he was looking out the window that would have been in the direction of Jerusalem. I do believe that. Come back later at noon. There he is. His hands are lifted through the window, praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Prayed again. In the evening, three times a day, he prayed, and they sought occasion. They went to the king and said, We know a man that's praying. Well, who is it? It's Daniel, and the king hung his head. He knew he had been set up. You know where they're going to throw him? In a lion's den. You can't get more violent than that. I mean, who, who thinks of that type of torture? To feed you to hungry lions. That's the Chaldean nature. It's violent. It's compassionless. And they sit back with expectation. They wanted to hear the bones crunch. Oh, yes, they did. There's nothing, there's no compassion in them. It's violent. Look at all the violence now. I don't even watch that junk, but how violent stuff has become nowadays. Violent. I feel this right now in the Holy Ghost. You better get away from sin, or it's going to want your bones to crunch, it's going to want you to burn alive. It wants to destroy every aspect of you. Misery like you can't think. That's what the Chaldeans want. But in the midst of a Chaldean world, Daniel called upon the Lord. And the next day when the King Darius showed up and rolled the stone away, sound familiar? And he looked down in the lion's den and says, Daniel, are you alive down there? He said, the Lord has sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lion. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, I'm not what I used to be. Do y'all feel that? God has shut the mouth of the accuser. God has shut the mouth of the enemy. God has shut the mouth of everything trying to curse me. Come on, jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout, God is for me. God is for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout, we're coming out of here. here. That's what happened when God granted you repentance. I'm coming out of sin. I'm not living this life anymore. Amen, watch this. I I got a couple more points I wanna bring to you. I'm just gonna preach five more minutes. Is that all right? I have five more minutes and I'm gonna be done. Let me hit it quickly. You'll find in Acts chapter five, verse 31. The scripture says, for to give repentance to Israel, and forgiveness of sins. What is repentance? The Bible says he called them under repentance. Repentance is, is where you see things the way God sees things. You feel about things the way God feels about things. True repentance is when for a moment, the Bible tells us that he granted them repentance unto life. The scripture tells us that in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, speaking of the Gentile people, he granted them repentance. Acts 5, he, he gave them repentance. 2 Corinthians says, for godly sorrow, worketh repentance. 2 Timothy 2 and 25 says, if God will peradventure, or possibly will give them repentance to the knowledge of truth. It's like a light that comes on. And you look over your life and say, what in the world am I doing? I'm going the wrong direction. I don't belong here. And God not only gives you a view of where you've been and where you are, but he told Abraham, I've called you out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your ways. Watch what he says in Genesis 12. I've got something better for you in Canaan land. Oh, yes, I do. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. I've got something much better for you than idolatry and witchcraft and sin and chaos. I know some of you think at one point you can never get out of what you got yourself into. But when God hands you repentance, he's going to call you out into something greater. Something greater. Oh, yes, he is. I come to tell you Christianity is greater than any day of the world. Being born again is greater than any. Come on, would you stand to your feet and clap your hands and shout, God's got greater for me. God has something greater for me. He's gonna turn your mourning into dancing. He's gonna turn your trouble into peace. He's gonna turn your addiction into freedom. You're not even gonna wanna taste it anymore. It's gonna bother you when you smell it. You're not gonna want any part of it because he's gonna call you out of the land of the Chaldeans. Everywhere your foot touches is gonna be blessed. Abraham, I'm not only calling you out, I'm taking you in. Somebody shout, he called me out to take me in. Anybody in this room ever been caught out of sin? Wave your hand. I'm glad he called you out. Woo, he called you out. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, the Lord called me out. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible tells us, In in, in the book of Peter, it says this, I didn't write it down exactly right, but it says there's a place of repentance. It's a place that I live. Well, I feel about things the way God does. I love what he loves and hate what he hates. Paul said the things I used to love, I now hate and the things I used to hate, I now love. You might love sin today, but you'll despise it one day. Can't believe I went that way. Can't believe I got involved with that. I wish I'd have never. Come on. And you know what you'll do? You'll fall in love with the righteousness. Oh, so glad. Who shall ascend unto the Lord? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. And I'm going to tell you those hands that work mischief can become holy. Difference maker. Blessed by Almighty God. Well, five minutes is up. Lift your hands and love the Lord. Come on, he set you free. He set you free. Repentance is telling the Lord, I'm sorry. Come on, that's it. Repentance is telling the Lord, I don't want to live the way of sin any longer. I'm tired of being addicted. I'm tired of being troubled. I'm tired of being weary. I'm tired of being anxious. I want to have blessed assurance. the name of Jesus, we're going to practice this today. I know there's such power and exuberance in this room. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to humble ourselves before the Lord. That you can come to the altar, you can kneel at your seat, but I want us all that can. I realize some might physically be unable to with their knees or whatever, I understand. But I want us to get on our knees and tell the Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want any way of the Chaldeans in my life. I don't want any nature of sin. I don't want that accusatory spirit in me. I don't want to be against me. I I, I I repent today. I'm sorry for my thoughts and things I've said and things I've done. What I think would be awesome if we humbled ourselves before the Lord in this 10 a.m. first word. Let's do that. Let's all get on our knees before the Lord and repent. That means to turn, like Abraham was called. I turn from my sin.